on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And Lockie, mate, how are you going and how is the off-season treating you? Missing blue baggers chat, mate. Mm. So it's good to be back. Um, I'll be honest, I actually haven't been dabbling a whole lot in this final series. Not trying to be salty about it, but just, you know, I've just lost a little bit of that that passion for the rest of the league right now. But I'm keen to be talking blues. What about 100%. you? Yeah, it's, it's understandable. Look, I've, I've been watching every single game, but mm-hmm. I mean, they've been good to watch, but it's that hard bit. I think we, I messaged um, into our little group chat the other day saying, God, I just I wish we were out there and it does hurt to watch. So I totally understand that one. But that's why we're here to bring you guys some Carlton content because no one else is really talking about us at the moment. So look, let's <laughs> dive into this. But I think just before we get stuck into the list analysis, I just wanted to kind of say that this episode won't really be going into like heaps of the trade and free agency talk. Um, that's going to be covered in our trade period preview episode that will come out over the next couple of weeks. Basically, this, in, I guess, in order for us to discuss the potential moves and who comes in, we have to dissect the list first. We need to see where we're at. We need to find the issues, outline the gaps that we do need to fill. So that's what this episode is about. Um, yes, and so, yeah, I guess there's also been... <laughs> yeah, also, sorry, I need to say that uh, there is going to be quite a lot of data going on in these off-season episodes. So if Here you are go. traditionally listening to this on your streaming s- services and you struggle with all the, the content that's coming at you, we are on YouTube. So feel free to head over to that. I'm going to have plenty of lovely visuals on screen to break down the information a little bit easier. Um, yeah. But that's enough of me talking, Lockie. Let's get completely stuck into this one um so i want to look at the list at the end of the 2022 season give me a second let me pull this up for all the lovely viewers here here we go so this is the list as it stands and look I'll, i'll give a bit of a breakdown as to how that is at the moment because the list as it stands with all the players out of contract there is a total of 35 players on the list, 29 on the senior list, five category A rookies, and one category B rookie, which leaves us with nine spots left as the uh, the maximum you can have on your list is 44. So there's quite a lot um, of spots still available, but there has been some big moves already that we have made. So I think we need to get through all the players that were out of contract um, and have potentially mm. been moved on already. And I kind of want to get your thoughts. So the players that have been delisted are Liam Stocker, Luke Parks, Tom Williamson, Jack Nunes, Oscar McDonald, and Will Hayes. Lockie, let's kind of go through, I guess, all of them. I want to let mm. get your opinion. Should we have delisted them? Should we have kept them? And maybe a bit of that reasoning. Um, so if you want to start off with Liam Stocker, feel free. Yeah. It'll be interesting to look back on this when the 
off season is complete to see what kind of mm. moves they had in mind and what they were striving for. I mean, starting with Stocker though, I, I, I think personally with what I know, I would have asked, preferred to keep him and th- there was still uh, opportunity for him to grow, but mm. I, I can understand the reasoning why, why they didn't. Yeah, 100%. And I think we kind of touched on that a little bit sort of like last week as well, like why mm. we probably got rid of Lean Stocker. And the more I think about it, I, I, I totally understand it. And we'll probably touch on that when we get to our depth chart, talking about the plays ahead of him. But it's a tough mm. one. It's a very brutal move, one that shocked me. I thought he was going to get another year. I would have probably liked to have seen if we could develop him a little bit more. But yep. if you're looking at the team at the moment, Where's he getting into that midfield, particularly if he doesn't have this tank and the fact that we've never seen him play that midfield. Mm. You look at his defense, not tall enough to be that intercept. He's not fast enough to be that rebound. Has he been the greatest one-on-one lockdown? Like, I'm just not sure where he fits in and there's probably too many players ahead of him. So it kind of makes sense there. Um, Next one is Luke Parks, Lockie. He showed a couple of good signs there that kind of excited us when he had a bit of an opportunity. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I don't think the ceiling was ever super high for yeah. him. Um, so I think it makes sense that he was delisted. Yeah, I, I do too. It's a, it's a stiff one, but probably didn't show enough at the level. And sometimes when you fuse into the system and you haven't really shown it, you need to make way and bring in the next crop of youngsters. Um, next yeah. one is Tom Williamson. Yeah, well, I mean, he, I feel like he's separate to this a little bit just because of the, um, yeah. what was potentially going on in his life, you know, mid, mid-season. So, yeah, probably a bit out of our range to comment, I guess. Yeah, I, definitely for those sort of reasons. I guess if we're talking pure football on it, do you think he you would have re-signed hmm. him if he was still, I guess, showed what he showed the year prior? I think if... If we're if we're saying that we can understand why Stocker was delisted, I would have Williamson below Stocker. So to that yes. logic, I would say still delist, just on what we yeah. what we know. Yeah, I agree. If he wasn't taking that step, he's had enough years to kind of develop and show enough, and we've probably got too many yeah. players that have moved past him. Uh, Jack Nunes, a staple almost of. It seems like every coach loved a Jack Nunes, loved getting him in there. One that played a lot of footy this season. What did you make of the delisting? That's the interesting element of it, just how much footy he played. And there was Mm. plenty of times during the season where we were impressed with the output that we were getting. Um, I guess it makes sense in terms of the age profile. Um, one One of the eldest guys on the list. It's hard for me to comment on this one, not knowing what, is going to be coming in, which I know you're going to be breaking that down later yep. in this episode. I'll, I'll say, yes, it makes sense to delist him. Mm. Yeah. It, I mean, we're talking about Liam Stock. We're talking about some stiff delistings. For what he brings you, probably a little bit harsh of a delisting. Yeah. He, we know he's not going to be that high ceiling player. He is what he is. He's a 6 out of 10 every single week. Was a fine role player for us. If you're looking at the age demographic and you're thinking we need that experience then maybe you're thinking, well, should we have kept him because he was one of our older players? But was he the best experience that we could get? Is he someone that's been there, done it, that he's really bringing the other guys forward? I'm not sure. He's sort of that fringe kind of player. He could definitely do a job, but I think I've always said with him, 
it's been the big harsh thing I've said all time since we've had him is, well, can someone else just come in and sort of take that next step because the ceiling's not there? And that's kind yeah. of the case here, particularly with, I guess, a Blake Akers potentially coming in. It looks quite likely on that wing. He probably loses that spot. Mm-hmm. So let's go someone younger with a higher ceiling. Uh, next one is Oscar McDonald. Similar kind of ceiling um, issues, I guess, for McDonald, but he wasn't able to get on the park nearly as enough uh, as much mm. as Nunes. I think we were sitting here a year ago, probably saying that McDonald would be delisted. So it, yeah. nothing's really changed from that. Yeah, started the year best twenty-two, but with another season of that debilitating back injury, you kind of have to cut your losses. Defense has been where all our injuries have happened. It looks like they've taken, a, say, a Sam Durden, who's maybe a bit more durable over him. You just have to accept that. If he's not playing, what do you do? Uh, and lastly, Will Hayes. Yep. Yeah, he's a bit one, uh, one of the sadder ones, I feel, just because he got that little taste of it mm. and did a couple of things that we were like, okay, here we go. And and he was named in the um, All-Australian VFL team yeah. across the weekend. But again... We're going to get into it with your depth chart. Where, like, who's he jumping over to get into this team? And is that scope yeah. for improvement still there for him? Uh, it's hard yeah. to argue that there is. Yeah, no, I think I think you've absolutely nailed that. It's a nice little shrewd move throughout the year. It, it's very sort of NF, like American sports esque, where mm. they've got a couple of injuries and they sort of bring in this guy for a few games in the free agency, and then at the end of the season yep. they're like, "Yeah, we don't need you anymore. We just needed you to fill that gap." And maybe a bit unlucky Precisely. with that suspension. He, who knows what could have happened if he played more games? <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy that we're making these brutal list calls. And hoping that it means that we're bringing in some some high caliber footballers. So we clearly yep. have re-signed a bunch of guys. Um, that is Cunningham, Honey, Owies, O'Brien, Boyd, Sam Durden, and Cottrell. Uh, you're happy with all of those? Um, take me through them, Lockie. Yeah, I think you look at this list and and you you should be pretty happy with all of them. I think I'm I'm betting a dead horse a little bit, and I feel like if if Stocker had been re-signed, I'd be 100% kind of yep. ticks on on all of this. Um, Cunningham's the, the interesting one because, gosh, you see the highlights package that they post when when oh. he bloody re-signs and you're like, far out. Mm. Give us more of this. But So I'm glad that they're giving him another chance. But if they had delisted him, I wouldn't have been shocked. Um, yeah. Just considering it's like, well, yeah. Is he ever going to get back to that? Can he be better than he was? Hopefully he can. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, it's a tough case with Cunners because of those injuries. You don't know. like it's We've had so many injury issues this season. It's been one of the big talking points, and we're going to get into the durability mm. of the list a little bit later. But I didn't know what was going to happen with Cunners. It was a very line ball decision, and ultimately they go, they back him in and think we can get it. Give him a one-year deal and see what happens. And I think yeah. I'm absolutely fine with that, knowing the talent that's there. But, yeah, if he doesn't get going, if he misses a large chunk again in 2023, that's probably him done, really. Probably. Uh, I think all the rest makes sense. Uh, really, the only one that was maybe a little bit interesting was a Sam Durden. In, mm. in, in being that mid-season, you were thinking, is he going to last... And then potentially with a March Bank still out of contract, that's maybe where the contention 
is I assumed we maybe were only going to keep one of them. And every day that goes on where a few of these guys aren't re-signed, it maybe makes you a little bit nervous to see whether they will. So let's get straight into that. The, cu- the p- current players still out of contract. Lockie Fogarty, Caleb Marchbank, Ed Kerno, and Will Setterfield. Lockie, if you're Nick Austin, if you're the list manager here, are you re-signing them all? Who, who are you <laughs> taking? Who are you maybe getting rid of? It's tricky. It's tricky not knowing the exact trade-offs, but... For me, Marchbank, I'm pretty confident that that will mm. happen and he would be my highest priority of these four yes. in terms of what we've seen and ceiling. Mm. So yes to him. I would say yes to Setters as well. Probably got himself the lifeline at the end of the season with some of those performances. <laughs> um, and we still hope that he can improve. Yeah, Kerno and Fogarty are a bit tougher. Kerno's kind of in that noon's bracket mm. where it's like I, I agree with you that we don't want to just get rid of all of our um, elder players just because they're not best 22 but we did not see Kerno at all this season yeah kind of on the fence there and then Fogarty I think yeah I, I would not I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if he doesn't make it through this um, showed a couple of good signs right at the start of his journey with us and then just hasn't really been able to do it again and I just don't see mm. like who he's going to leap over um, to get best 22. No, I pretty much agree with you on all of those. Yeah, Marchbank, just off talent and potential, he's clearly the highest there. It's just that durability mm. issue with so many injuries. It's, I can see why they're maybe a bit hesitant. Uh, and I sort of had a go on Twitter because everyone was just mm. clamoring for anytime another player was re-signed. It's like, where's what's going on with Caleb Marchbank? Like, sign this guy up. And I know we all love him, but... Have they chosen the durability of a Sam Durden simply over him? Because if you look at our defense, if you look at a McGovern as well, pretty injury prone. Like, what? <laughs> who yeah. are you bringing in? Like, are you, are you trying to make space so we can bring in someone else, maybe through the draft, or are we looking to make any moves in in the trade or free agency in in that department? I, I can see why maybe they're hesitant. Because can you have half your defense injury prone? I'm not sure you can. But yeah, if you're giving Connors one year, I think of at least being able to see something this season and know that Marchbank still has it from those games he played, particularly late. I'd definitely be signing him up. And same yeah. as Setters, I think just give him another year. Fogarty, I, just, oh, I hate using this term. I hate being so negative, but I just see him so much as a list clogger. Like, what is his great attributes? What's his best position? Yeah. There's so many people ahead of him. I'd much rather us take a flyer in the bloody fourth or fifth round of the draft than give him a go, honestly, because I just don't think he's got that potential, even though he is still young. And then Mm. Ed Kerno, he's pretty much like a a free hit of a guy that can be a bit of a coach, set some standards. But again, it's those injury issues that worry you. But maybe we might have too many list spots available if we don't keep him on for another year. Uh, So I guess taking us through, basically we've agreed on that to re-sign Marchbank, Kerno instead of Field and D-list Fogarty, which if that happens, the the list would basically be, I'll get this up here for you, we'd have 41, sorry, we'd have uh, 32 senior players, we'd have six Mm -hmm. rookies, and then you have to take three minimum 
players in the draft. So if you add that onto it, because yeah, you have to take three, so it's going to happen. That would give us 41 yep. players on our list, which means there's three list spots left. If one of those seeming very likely that is Blake Akers, that leaves two <laughs> left. And whether that's an extra draftee, someone else coming through the door, it makes things pretty interesting. Now, we don't have to take all of these players. It's only a 44-player maximum, but mm. it makes it... A little bit interesting to see what's going to happen over this sort of trade period because maybe there's a little bit going on that we don't know, Lockie. Mate, I I don't want to run back my prediction from uh, seven months <laughs> ago, but, you know, we'll see. 100%. So, Act I'll, like I'll I know to get... things that I don't. <laughs> look at you. You Look at you. You've got to break some big stories for us. Uh, one day. Are you the trade whisperer? Is that what's going on? Ian. <laughs> How dare you? Um, but yes, okay, let's get into it. And I'll try and speed through this next section a little bit. Uh, but it's something I love to touch on every single year. It is analyzing the kind of age makeup of this list. So let's have a look at it. We At the end of the season, if you re-sign everyone, so throw Fogarty into it. I'm being a bit kind here. We would have 39 players averaging 69.4 games which nice. doesn't seem like a, a lot there. Compare, but compare it to the list at the start of the season. Before a game was played, we had 42, averaging 63.3. So gone up a few games there. Uh, but the key thing I always love to look at is your sort of 24 to 28 age bracket. And you know I love to compare mm. that to the, the teams that have won those premierships. So your Hawthorns, your Richmond. And I, I've thrown West Coast in there because... They were in a grand final in 2013, I believe it was, and then ended up winning. So teams that have been in finals for years ended up winning a couple throughout. So if you look at our team currently, 24 to 28 age bracket, we have 21 players, which seems like almost your sort of best 22 there, um, averaging (laughs) 86.6 games. Uh, if you compare that pretty much to all the other teams, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see that now. But if you're an audio listener, pretty much most of those teams have roughly sort of 15 players compared to our 21, um, but averaging more around your 105, 110 games played, whereas ours is 86.6, so a little bit lower. Um, yep. Last year, we had 20 players averaging 88, so we've kind of gone down a little bit. Um, but if you add in Blake Akers into this, we'll have 22 players um, at 88.1. So we still kind of lack that little bit maybe experience in those key ages, which is why we're probably Mm. at the start of that title, that premiership tilt. But I think it's, I think it's, it's possible that that'll happen over the next couple of years. And lastly, because the list can be a little bit deceiving. I've gone for like your best 22. Um, and comparing that to the teams that played in grand finals and seeing how we stack up. And currently, ages 24 to 28, we have 14 players, which most teams had around 10. So we've got a bit more in that more prime age, averaging 104.6 compared Mm. to other teams, which are again around that 105, 110, 15 mark for a few of them. Um, Mm. So very interesting to see how that plays out again, maybe just on the cusp of this. But I think well and truly in that ballpark to start to compete compared to, I think what we were when we started this podcast where that number was down quite a lot. 
I love looking at this each year. It's good because it also fits our optimism <laughs> narrative around, you know, that this wasn't our year to win a premiership mm. and that we're entering that window. And God, that Western Bulldogs outlier just bloody sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it, every time? It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible that they when they had four players aged 24 to 28 averaging 62 games because they had such Crazy. a young core and then these older players that had all played like 300 games finishing mm. their career. So it's a, it's a very strange outlier. But this is the big list analysis part. This is the big depth chart. Um, so for those watching, Love I'll go this through graphic. this and make it make a bit more sense. So I've broken it into all of the playing positions that I think are really vital to how we play, um, which is your key defenders, third defender, general defenders, ruckman, mids, wingers, key forwards, half forwards, and small forwards. Um, all the players in green will be your starters, those that are basically your best 22. You may see that there's 23 all up in there. But the Medi sub counts, Lockie. If they're getting a game, it counts. Um, I agree. Yellow, there's pretty much sort of only one for each position, of which I've given that next in backup, uh, every, which you might see for a few of them. Maybe we don't have that backup in sort of our opinion. And then you'll have that sort of orange, which is either maybe they're not ready for it, maybe they're still young and developing, or that their next step, step down, or maybe you could argue for a few. They're sort of not up to it um so this is our team that that we've put together um i guess take me through Lockie, the, the key defenders that we've got there we've got jacob weedering and lewis young as your locks sam mm. durden as your backup and then big dom as that sort of developing what do you make of the of the key defensive stocks yeah well you made the call out i suppose when we spoke about mcdonald getting delisted that we we already got caught out this year that's why we had to bring durden mm. in because these stocks weren't yep. enough. And I think it's fair to say that Wiedering and Young have been fairly um, robust in not getting injured. So that's mm. a good sign. But, you know, you, you can you can kind of merge this a little bit with the third defenders that they're kind of also kind of semi-breaking yes. case for emergency guys. But you, you, it feels like an area where, mm. you know, you, you, you'd like whoever's that first to come in like Durden to be maybe a bit higher tier. Mm. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And it is something I wanted to do when I was making this depth chart. I didn't want to go, you know, every single player playing multiple positions. Cause then the, no, the depth chart useless. just goes crazy. You will see a few there with a little asterisk. That means they're across a few positions. Cause some I think do need to be, uh, but obviously yeah, your yep. McGovern's your March banks can play as that, Definitely key defender, but I just thought that this made it a little bit easier to look at, which we'll, we'll touch on that third defender, which Mark, Mark, sorry, McGovern is the starter, Marchbank is the next, and then the two sort of below that are your Plowman and your Kemp, mainly because Plowman's not really that intercept. Um, Brody Kemp is sort of that, we don't know just yet, he's sort of still developing. And, and I, I think you've sort of nailed it with what you said about Durden, where we seem to have quite a lot of players but we're probably still one caliber short because you've got yeah. your McGovern injury prone, March bank injury prone. Do we need someone else to come in that maybe you trust a bit more than a Durden? Because you can kind of float a few of these guys. You could maybe bring in X player that is at highest standard. He plays lockdown and then young or Weedering could play as that interceptor and move it around that yeah. way. 
I do think that we're probably one short in key defense at this stage. And I don't necessarily think that's a young developing player. I don't know how you feel. I think mm. it needs to be a bit more of a step up from what Sam Durden is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the other call out here, just uh, not that I disagree with you, but you, you think that McGovern is is clearly ahead of Marchbank in the hierarchy? I would think so personally. Just the way, if you're comparing both players, Gov's probably, they're probably both very similar as the far as intercept. I think McGovern's mm. his decision-making and usage by foot is that step up. When we totally. saw probably our best footy, he was the one rebounding. So I probably have him just that tiny little bit ahead at this stage. But I'm more than happy to have the discussions of Marchbank being that starter. But I, mm. they're probably one of the closest matchups that I have at this stage. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I do have McGovern ahead. But um, mm. yeah, it, w- it wouldn't be surprising surprise if we get into next year and 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 Gov is, the, is kind of the yeah. third rank below those three. But yeah, good call. Mm. So we'll jump into the rest of the defense, which is the more general defenders, um, which is your Sam Doherty, Adam Saad, Zach Williams, and Nick Newman I have as the locks, and Jordan Boyd as that sort of understudy there, ready to jump in, all pretty capable. What do you think of our defensive stocks there? Far out. It's a bloody good-looking list, Mm. and they all feel like they're in that right age profile for where we're at. Um, Oh, and my man, Boydie. I never doubted him for a second. Um, but he's come a long way, uh, which is which is great to see. And I'm comfortable with him being mm. that the fifth guy that is the yep. the guy to come in in case one of these guys go down. Mm. And this is where, and I hate to keep harping on about it because I feel like I'm bearing the guy, which is not what I want to do. But when I looked at this, I felt Stocker was such a drop below all of those guys in what they kind of bring. Mm. And it's probably not what I think we need in that more general defender style. We probably, if you're looking at all of that, like obviously you've got your Zach Williams injury prone. Nick Newman hasn't played a great deal of footy over his footballing career. Everyone else you'd say decently fit throughout there. All of them pretty running rebound. I feel like it's that lockdown, small lockdown that maybe we're missing if you're looking at that depth chart. So maybe that's where yeah. the list possibility is. But then are you carrying too many guys that are a smaller defender? Are you just happy enough with Plowman potentially slotting into that if you need to as a depth play rather <laughs> than targeting someone to play on those key smalls? Because I guess you're rattling off the Doherty, Sard, Williams, Newman, Boyd. None of them give me the greatest confidence if they're coming up against, say, a Charlie Cameron. Although I guess in saying that, as a collective, they have been pretty decent this season. Yeah, Sard's probably the one I guess that you look at and go mm. and, and put faith in him. But you're not wrong. Um, it, it makes sense to have to have Plowman in red as the in the third defender tier. There, I think I, I definitely still see that as something that would make me feel more confident about the list in general. An upgrade mm. in that lockdown role. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's go into Ruckman, which is a very thin lineup. Yikes. I've, I've, I haven't chucked Silvani into this for the main reason of I don't think anyone would really want to go into a game with JSOS as our number one Ruckman and no one else there. So no. he's been excluded of this because I don't really classify him as a first Ruckman, uh, which is why we've got Pitanet there in green, Deconing in yellow, and your sort of Project Murkov in the orange that – Probably not really ready. Lockie, is there a bit of an issue with what you're seeing right there? There is for me. 
I think I do feel I do feel like I'd feel a lot more confident with with one more um, yeah. in the wings. Um, it, it's hard to know what the pit TDK. I mean, this we've mm. been having this discussion since we started yeah. this podcast years ago. Um, who's going to be the number one at the end of the day? And that's still I feel like that's still yet to be seen. It makes sense mm. that Pitt is ahead of TDK here. I agree, um, but it still feels like I don't know. Either bringing in someone experienced as that break in case of emergency, yeah. or someone maybe a bit less raw than Murkov, but on the younger side. Mm, it's we're definitely one short. I feel like we've been one short for quite some time because even yeah, if you move forward a little bit to that sort of key forwards, like we, I'm not saying that this is the kind of play we exactly want, but at least with a Levi Casbolt. He was a, a key back. forward that you could definitely put into the ruck and it would be okay if there was a lot of injuries. Whereas you don't really want your Kernos and Mackays in there and we don't really have another sort of key tall to throw into that position. Maybe it's a Lewis Young from down back. But again, we're a little bit too thin in that position. So I think mm. we're definitely missing a ruckman. And even if you want to have a look at the starters for all of this, all the others, I'm pretty confident in the players that we have there as far as ability is concerned. I don't mm-hmm. think for the rest of the defense, we really need to upgrade those guys. Ruck is somewhere that we can definitely upgrade. It's the most talked about part of the ground, I think, for us position-wise. Mm. I just don't know who that is. And we'll, we'll obviously try and dissect that a bit more in our trade preview, see if we can come up with some solutions, yeah. whether that's an experienced head, like you said, is a almost breaking case of emergency there that can guide these guys or whether we try to upgrade it or whether even that, that young, that old head is going to come in as that number one Ruckman. It, it's definitely <laughs> a position that we saw this year. You get one injury and it is a bit of an issue. You're kind of banking on deconing, or even a Murkov having this development that steps up out of nowhere, um, that it's it's a position I'm definitely not sold on just yet. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty uh, like yeah, I can see myself going put all the eggs in the TDK basket and just go yes, he's going to be the best ruckman in the league. But I'm keen to have that kind of uh, backup plan too. Yep, 100%. Uh, let's go to midfielders, which is normally a position we're not very stocked in. But I think this is one of our, our best now. You're looking at Cripps, yeah. Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy, and Chera as your starters. It looks like Cedarfield is probably that next in currently. Uh, and mm. then just under that is your experienced Ed Kerno, Paddy Dow, who can't seem to really get much of a look in. Um, and then I've yeah. thrown Jack Carroll in there as an option that can kind of play through midfield as well. But obviously he's that real younger option that is quite a step, I think, below, say, your Kernos and your Dows. And yet he got more of a crack than uh, than Paddy did this year, <laughs> even though I'd agree, um, especially kind of considering age. Yeah. yeah Dow, Dow is the interesting one, isn't it? Like. It doesn't feel like that long ago that we would have put him and Setterfield kind of neck and neck in terms of where they sit with us, but it's changed now. And gosh, I do not know what it's going to look like for him. But you, you make a good call out in terms of the, the depth here. Um, you know, we can we can have a few go down, and there's at least some form of competence to come in. Mm. Particularly what we've seen of Setterfield at the end of the season. If you asked me before he came back into that squad and played inside mid, I would have said, yeah. gee, we're thin. If it's just Paddy Dow at the moment, 
that's probably not enough, but fills you with a little bit of confidence if we do end up re-signing him. And even if he can get an Ed Kerno fit, it's not the worst option yeah. to have. We know his limitations, but he's a hard runner and those contested guys are always okay to have. Do you think that there's any maybe kind of dynamic missing in the midfield makeup with those players? Is there <laughs> something that you think's missing, whether it's we need a, another hard edge where we need a bit more of an outside player? Anything that you think we need to add to that if you were to bring in an extra player? It feels like the the, the speed element is the thing that mm. we've been calling out for for a while. Yeah. I mean, like who who who's fast there? Who's a which of them is a yeah. fast guy? I don't think there is one. Like it's obviously not Cribs, Kennedy, or Hewitt. You can like Chera's not really fast. He's skillful on that outside, but he's not doesn't have pace. Walsh doesn't have pace. He just hard runs. Setterfield definitely not. Rest not. Like you're kind of looking more at your your Zach Fisher, who's maybe spent some time through there, or even a Cunningham that has a bit of a burst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I know, like Paddy Dow has a burst, but again, none of these guys are that electric pace that I think you're you're probably alluding to, and that's my mm. sort of big thing. And it's it's tough because the players that are really good at it. They're locked in at their clubs. You're not finding <laughs> many players like that. It might have to be something we look at in the draft, I think, yeah. um, to add to that midfield. But it's, I agree with you. That's probably the big thing that this midfield is missing to sort of take us on that next step forward. And it's funny to say because, like, when I look at the green guys there, Cripps, Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy, and Chera. Like I feel comfortable and have and have yes. faith in those five guys being mm. that our premiership mix. Yeah. So, where would that where would that player fit in? Which mm. is why I guess it makes sense that you say that it's more of a developmental thing potentially a young guy. Mm. Yeah, and like we're clearly playing such a heavy contested brand of football that I think kind of like I just said just before the player that comes in, whether it is that young player or probably more likely it's more your like Shea Bolton kind where it's like, he's a bit more half forward, maybe like your Zach Fisher. He can take another step next year where you give him just short spurts in the midfield to break the game open. Um, Yeah. I mean, like not that he's that pacey player, but at least you can kind of throw that Doherty into that midfield mix um, as another player depth-wise, but who knows? I don't think it will be. No. But is that what we brought a, a Zach Williams in to be? Do you think that there's any <laughs> chance that he gets a look in even at just a, a couple of center bounces throughout the next few years? Do you think that's something they'll, they'll even attempt? You know what? I don't think they will, mm. and I wish they would. But just considering what we have here, we know that they like putting, giving Fisher a go through there, like you yeah. said. I think it's likely that we'll bring in a young midfielder. Like mm. that, that make that logic makes sense to me. So that's another guy to get some run there. I just don't, and I and from what we've yeah. seen over the the two years with him in the team, it's kind of like Stocker. It's like there really there really hasn't been that much attempt to do it. So I'm going to say that mm. no. But you know me, I love when we experiment with things and and throw the magnets around when we need to. So I wish we did at least get a taste, but I'm not, Mm. I kind of want to count it out. 
and ha- happy yeah, to be wrong it, on that. But I, I kind of agree with you. I think that what I'd love to see is, and we've always spoken about this, is like him on the wing because of a few mm-hmm. attributes. And you're talking about speed, burst, sort of foot skills, being able to break a totally. game open. That coming from a wide position would be such a great asset to have. The thing that makes you think he just couldn't do it is the wing. You almost need a better tank than you do to play like inside mid because you're yeah. constantly back and forth, unrewarded running, which I just don't think he has, particularly with his durability. You probably don't want him running too much. You want him being a bit more of that burst player off halfback. Um, and then does he have that mm. capacity to stay wide and, and rather than getting drawn to the contest? I'm not 100% sure, but I do think that either him or Saad, there's like a cog that could be maybe better utilized with a bit more time. It doesn't have to be much, but just a little bit further up the ground because they can just be so damaging. And if we've got yeah. so many of these players that can play that kind of half back, I feel like there's a capacity to change something and pull a different lever at some stage. And, and maybe that's a Jordan Boyd. Maybe he moves higher up the ground as well. Cause we know he has all those attributes too. Yeah. It at least gives you a bit more confidence in this, in this depth. I think with yes. the, the range of options you described then, which is a positive mm. for us. hundred percent. And it kind of goes into the next segment, which is the wingers. Let's touch on yeah. those. Currently, I've got the two starters as your Cottrell and O'Brien. We've obviously lost Nunes out of there. So probably the next winger that isn't already playing midfield, because I didn't want to double up this too much because you'd probably say it's a setter field or a Walsh mm. or a Chera, and I kind of wanted to leave those in another position. It's probably, <laughs> what, Jack, Carroll, and, and Philp at this stage? You could maybe throw Fisher into there, maybe yeah. if you wanted Say it's Cunningham, but out and out, just that their position. If you're going to put everyone in one, it's probably Carol or Philp, which I guess this is a very leading question, but is that <laughs> our biggest area that we just don't have depth at this stage? No, we're fine. I think we're fine. <laughs> Lock it in. Blakers, get, <laughs> get him in please. there. It's so good for Cottrell and Lobb because a, a year ago, we there were big question marks and we had question marks over everything here. Mm. So at least I, I feel comfortable with them being um, options as best 22 guys. Yes. But no doubt, if this if these rumors are untrue, where it feels like things that go this deep are always true, but if they're yeah. not, there's got to be another option, I think, to at mm. least get some depth here, if anything. Mm. It's, it's definitely needed and... I think the thing why I didn't want to put Fisher or maybe a Cunningham at this stage is I think that their best position is half forward. I think forward mm-hmm. of the ball, like I was kind of talking about, getting Williams and Saad better around the ball. I just think their impact is greater at half forward than it would be out on a wing. And the way Cottrell and O'Brien have played the wings this year have been really good. But even the starters, we need to upgrade on those. We need such better winger, a winger, particularly because it's kind of the style we want to play. You look at like your Port Adelaide and obviously Amon is moving, but the way they utilized him, seems like Voss mm. wants to emulate that as well with that sort of inside contested ball with the midfielders. You need some pace on the outside guys that can run all day. And obviously Blakers looks like that guy would be that yeah. perfect Jack Nunes upgrade. But I, you add him into there, you still feel maybe 
one short in there, yeah. a guy that can maybe play a couple of roles. But I guess, yeah, there's definitely winger is almost number one priority this offseason, off I'd imagine. I know this is probably discussions for down the track, but I have to ask you now because I'm interested. Yeah. Blake has comes in to the green yep. there. Who goes to yellow? Oh, this is the hardest thing to answer. Um, this is the hard thing. I've tried to I do best 22s heaps. And at the moment, <laughs> versatility. See, this is the thing. I'm so fencing because versatility no. wise, it's Cottrell because he can play half forward. We've seen him hit the scoreboard. But uh-huh. probably better winger is O'Brien. So yeah. at this stage, I think I'd say O'Brien. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. But yeah. yeah, someone could easily make a strong case for our man mm. Cotters too. And that's probably my favorite thing about the inclusions that it seems like we've been bringing in the last few years is mm. they're not a maybe player. They're straight in. They're definitely in our best 22. Like yeah, you look at Hewitt, it? you look at Chera, what we've done with Zach Williams and, and Sards, all of these guys have come in and it's like they're upgrades. And that's yeah. definitely what we need at this wing position. Um, but yeah, maybe we need to add a little bit more. Uh, next position is key forwards. You've clearly got your Charlie Kerner and Harry Mackay in there. Two Coleman medalists back Gross. to back. Can we throw someone else in there and see if we can get a third different player? Who knows? <sighs> maybe my boy Corey Durden finally repays me with my season <laughs> predictions. Gets a couple you of are snags. But really, the depth here is thin. I've got a fair few oh, names yeah. there, but are any of them really ideal? Probably the next backup is, you'd say, De Koning. Mm. But this season, and maybe even since he's joined us, his best footy has not been played in the forward no line. Way. He seems to struggle a bit there. Definitely better in the ruck. And then past that, it's what, Brody Kemp is a th- almost third tall. Dom is obviously that key tall, but still developing. I don't know. You could maybe say it's Silvani, but again, not really a, that tall. I just... Mm. Is that an, an issue for you? Or is it not because we've got two absolute superstars? I think it's, it is an issue... But I would have it low, lower down on the priority than some other things we've discussed. Yeah, we're so fortunate. Like we probably don't even talk about this enough. The amount, the number of games that we got between Kerno and Harry this year, yeah, has to be over pretty much anyone's expectations. Of what we got, so mm. we weren't really in a position, at least too often, where we had to be like, okay, <laughs> yeah, who are we rolling with here? But that is not a certainty forever. Mm. Yeah, and I agree with you about about TDK. We, he didn't show us a whole lot of faith when he went down there, which is why we were like, "Oh, can you play him and Pitt at the same time?" Mm. And then Brody and Dom, you just don't know yet. So, yeah, mm. yeah, it's definitely lower on the priority than a few because you've got two absolute superstars, and a lot of yeah. teams probably only have that one key man, and then just someone else, and you go small. And even sort of last year, really without Charlie and sort of. This year at times without Harry, I think we've been able to work around it and still play a functional forward line. So it's not the end of the world, but yep. it's hard just knowing that we've only really had one season of Charlie Kerno over the last, what, like three or four. It's uh-huh. There's still a little bit of nervousness around him because like how much can we truly trust that knee not to be super pessimistic, but knowing uh-huh. that there really 
isn't anyone to come through there is a little bit worrying. I'm happy that I think we've got enough smalls to cover if we want to slightly change things up. Yes. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's a young developing forward you want to bring in, like draft someone and, and see what can happen over the next few years as a backup or whether you want a bit more of an experienced head like what we had with Casbolt, someone that can also pinch hit in the ruck. I don't know what the yeah. best option is. And I'd love to hear from you guys listening what you think we should do with that key forward because I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it throw McGovern mm. back down forward? Is it Lewis Young? Oh, but then with our injuries there, you're moving too many pieces around. I don't think it's the smartest option. I think we do need someone in there who that is will be very interesting. I forgot very quickly that Gov was uh, <laughs> hasn't been a defender his entire career because far out it feels like it. Mate, bring Liam Jones back, but as a forward. Oh, <laughs> let's take it back to the golden days. Oh, never. Um, next, we'll go to the half forwards, which we seem to have quite a few of, you'd imagine. you got sort of mm. the forward line is almost where the sub comes into play because... I've got yeah. three half forwards and I've got three small forwards. You probably may only pick five out of that six. So that we'll go the half forwards. I've got my three starters being Fisher, Silvani, and Jack Martin. Next in is probably your David Cunningham. And then your understudy that we've seen play a bit of time there is maybe your Jack Carroll again. What do you make of the yeah. half forwards? Martin's the least exciting green name on this list for me. In terms of security of him being a green guy, yes. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know what Cunningham is going to look like at the start of next season, or even if you want to call Honey a half forward. Some people may, yeah, put him in either. Oh, it's it's really hard. It's really hard with mm. Martin to to be like, yep, yeah, he is a locked in yeah. guy in this team. Mm. It's at his best, which we saw against Melbourne. We've seen it not many Love times, it. honestly, in his Carlton career. You go, this is perfect. This is a like, grand final match day winner. This is a guy that uh-huh. could out of nowhere kick three goals and he can take a mark. He can pinch hit in the midfield a little bit, which we've seen. Yeah, but uh, it's that it's that it's that durability. That's the big key issue with him. We don't know if he's going to even get through a game let alone how many games he's going to play. And you just can't rely on that, which is why I think there is room for someone else. I think I think Fisher's perfect. Silvani kind of plays a whole bunch of different roles. We've seen him as this half forward, but also pinch hitting in the ruck as the second. Does that take away from needing someone else that can play in that high half forward role? Maybe that's maybe that's David Cunningham. Like I, I I think he's played some of his best football there, pinch hitting in the midfield and adding that X factor in that forward line. He seems to always be the one that wants to kick the goal on the run and he's done it in some key games for us. That's probably the big option. But again, much like Jack Martin, doesn't play football. So what are you doing with this half forward? I think that apart from obviously wing, ruck, and maybe a bit of key position depth, whether it's yeah. a swing man or whatever it is, I have in my list, um, and it's almost a separate column to all of this because it's not really a small forward. It's not necessarily a high half forward that pushes up the ground and influences it that way, but we need mm. a a goal-kicking medium sort of marking yeah. forward. 
because you, I think I'm looking at the best teams out there at the moment. It's what Gary Rowan is. It's what Bailey Fritch is. Um, yep. I, I don't think we have that player on the list. And you could even throw like your, maybe even like your Jamie Elliott into that because I feel like he can mm-hmm. take a bunch of marks rather than crumbing. Like we yeah, don't yeah. have that almost focal point, medium-sized forward. And we've, we've gotten a lot of nice small forwards, but that's probably a bit of a gap. Like maybe that's Josh Honey. Maybe he can mm-hmm. can grow into that role, but we don't have it. It's the hardest thing to find because, as I said, like all those players, they're never going and leaving those clubs. So nah. it's someone you might have to draft, but then are you, is he able to come in straight away? Like I, I don't know what to do with it, but would you say that that's a position or an aspect on this list if you're looking at the build-up of the the depth that we require or we're maybe missing? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's the, it's what we've been hoping all along for Jack Martin to be. Mm. Just get that consistency and yeah. and you're there. Um, mm. But I've, I'm, I'm losing faith that we're ever going to get that. So, But you never know, mate. Don't, don't, don't put that negative energy out there that none of those players would want, would be able to come. Leave it open. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you were very, uh, I don't even know what the word is. Is it prophetic? I don't even know what it is. But you were, yeah, you were great prophetic. with these little 100%. predictions at the start of the season. You were having these wild, vivid dreams about all these different things happening, whether mm-hmm. it's grand finals, big fish coming to us. It's going to be very drawn. excited for this trade period to see if it comes true. Uh, mm-hmm. Last category is small forwards, which we weirdly have a a plethora of at the moment. You've got your Motlop, Durden, and always as your starters. And then really Honey as that next one there. What do you make of that position for us? It's an interesting group. Not yes. an experienced group is mm. the obvious takeaway. Yep. Uh, are you confident in, in their ability to continue to grow? I'm like definitely confident. So. Yeah, I'm definitely confident from what I saw this year from Jesse Motlop. Probably the most exciting mm-hmm. out of all three, and it was only his first season. I, I think we've got a player there that maybe he's not that marking player, but he's potentially that X factor there. That how many times out of nothing did he create goals this season? Like your recency bias, you think about yep. that Collingwood game in that third quarter where it looked like any time he got near the ball, it was going to be a goal. And that's something that you need. You need those match winners. Durden, he's shown some some really good patches. Hasn't been amazing, but I do see really strong development for him there. Always has been serviceable. He's been really good with bringing that tackle pressure, first and foremost. And he, he seems to be a really good set shot. Probably the one that I'd like us to move past because I don't see the ceiling there, which is maybe a little bit harsh on him. I, I see the other two going higher, but it's maybe yeah. a gap in this list. And I, I don't think you necessarily need to bring it in, but if I'm looking and creating the most perfect list there, it's an Eddie Betts of two years ago needs to be in that in that squad to develop these guys. And, and older head, yeah. a bit more experienced in that forward line. It's why a lot of blue book baggers were sort of clamming for a Luke Bruce to come into this team yeah, to bring that experience that. as a small medium forward. Uh, he's obviously re-signed. So that takes that one away. I don't think it's anywhere near priority, but if mm. you were making a, a, if you could do whatever you wanted now, it'd probably be always out bringing in experienced, ready to go at the peak of their powers, small forward. It's also a debate that we had through the season about whether 
all three of those guys can be mm. in the team at the one time. Yeah. So I you agree. kind of like even like that Bruce type isn't mm. isn't the same as these guys where it's really yes. like the crumbing pressure is everything. Mm. Um, it's kind of adding that other little bit of an element is nice. So mm. yeah, I agree with everything you say. And maybe that's an opportunity for a Durden or a Motlop to over the next few seasons push up the ground a little bit, whether they get more stints around the ball. I think we saw mm. Durden do that maybe a little oh, bit more yeah. in the Melbourne game. He sort of seemed to be a, around it a little bit more, just these impact players. I think that mm-hmm. there's definitely a, an option for that moving forward. Even Motlop, just he excites me. And I remember listening to Luke Power chat before the uh, Frio game over in WA. He sort of spoke mm-hmm. to the fans there and said he was just amazed that not only could he do all those small forward things, but he had a tank. So maybe that is an opportunity for him to play a bit more high half forward. I, but I think it, yeah. as far as the stocks we have there for development over the next few years, it is definitely locked in. It's one of the stronger positions we have. It's just that it's maybe not ready right now. Yep. Yep. I like it. Mm. So I guess is there, we sort of touched through them. Did you want to go through the sort of biggest needs you think that we have because this is what this episode's about it's finding the holes in this list and the areas that you would like us to address over the trade free agency and draft period well i think i think the biggest need is would i'd say would be winger yes and then the biggest need for depth i'd i'd probably say ruckman yeah because i agree with you uh, just thinking about where I'm trying to think of where would an injury or where would two injuries derail the season? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you could make arguments for a few lines with those two, but if it's, if Pitt and TDK aren't there, boy, oh boy, we're in strife. Yeah. You're bringing in Murkov. You're, mate, you're just starting to ruin all the other lines. If you're yeah. bringing a Lewis Young into there, we don't want to exactly. see Jack just do it. So exactly. yeah, as far as, if you lose a player, you need those guys. And I think just quality of what our best is are the areas we need to upgrade. And the rest really is depth or finding those hidden gems, like I mentioned with that sort of marking medium mm. forward. I agree. Those two are the ones. And then it's probably just other key tall depth. Um, and yeah, do, do you yeah. think that we're desperate? Cause we've chatted about this a little bit and maybe why we struggled in the, the latter stages of the season. And it's mentioned with that Luke Bruce kind of player. Do you still mm. think that we lack an experienced lead on field leader? And do you think that that's <laughs> something that we need to target this off season to develop this group and make sure that collectively we're not panicking in any of these high pressure situations. It's hard to balance that leadership quality with like the, the football output. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I guess the question is how much does that leadership, like say you had a player who was slightly, like or how, how much better does say always have to be than, uh, than another forward who has those leadership qualities, mm. if that makes sense. No, I, I get what you're saying, and it's that sort of trade-off of we get a slightly worse player in on-field playing-wise, but they uh, give you that experience, and it's it's an interesting thing because uh, like you'd think we have a decent enough defense in the defense. Like, yeah, Weedering, you, you say, is a leader. 
You've got McGovern that's played some a lot of football at a he's played at like a grand final. You know what I mean? You've got Zach Williams that's played deep into finals. Saad's been around. Doherty was was a captain for us. So you think there's enough leadership yeah. there. Midfield, we've got our captain. We've got a young Walsh. We've got Hewitt. Now, yeah, maybe not a lot of these guys have been there and and done that. Maybe that's the issue. But I think in that forward line, we maybe don't have that calm head. And probably Bruce was that perfect guy that you could bring in for one to two years to help develop them. It's the hardest thing to find. You've got to find someone that is experienced. And most of those guys are just sticking around to help develop at the team they've played at for their whole career. So how do you get that out of there? And, uh, you know, you can throw some names around. Like it, a lot of people wanting like maybe a Goldstein to come in and be that Ruckman. It sort of solves a couple of issues while a Deconing mm. develops. He's said he wants to re-sign at North, so you can't find that. I, I'd love to say, yes, bring that in. It's probably the most difficult position to find. I don't know who the player is out there. And, and like you say, I don't want to just bring someone in for the sake of that and it be a worse player on field. And then are you stopping the development of a honey, dirt, and a motlop because you're playing him above them. It's such a hard balancing act. Yeah. It does feel like, I mean, one of the things we loved about Vossi coming into the club was his premiership pedigree and the fact that he's yep. been around those cultures. Um, so it, it makes sense that bringing in a player on a list from a, a more recent um, premiership caliber side yes. makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who's it going to be? Mm. And that's the, that's an interesting point you sort of make there. We really went heavy on, I guess, experienced in the coaching ranks. We've got a head coach, won premierships. He's coached previously. Ash Hansen been one of the better assistant coaches. Hamill's been around, been a premiership player. Um, same for Hansen as well. And then, um, mm-hmm. like, you got Tim Clark, who's been a, an assistant coach for years and years. So we've got yep. those guys. But it's on field. We maybe don't have it. Like, and that's maybe the capacity for us to grow. It'll be another watch this space because fans are clamoring for it. Let's <laughs> see if Nick Austin thinks it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, before yeah. we go into the durability of the list, because I've sort of broken down, I've spent almost way too much time on that. So we will <laughs> we will get to it. But Lockie, we've asked the fans to, to ask us some questions. Uh, what do you got for us? Mate, throw me under the bus with absolutely no preparation time. <laughs> Let Mate, me have. have... If, if you need a few minutes, maybe we'll do the durability now. This is on the fly as we yeah, go. Yeah, give me a Really sec. nice and professional. Or are you happy to, to finally look it up? Because, mate, I've sent out two separate tweets. I've got an Insta oh, story that there. There are so many people here raring to go for us. Oh, um, mate, the engagement. I'm going to need something from you. It's uh, the issue is with the <laughs> the volume rather than the lack of here. Um, are you are trying to tell me here? that you don't think these questions are good enough, Lockie? The questions are great. See, what I'm trying to do here is split up what is about the list and what is about the future. You know, yes, that, there's that lots of there's lots of our questions about our man Blakers. Um, Ewan's asked, where are we at with Ruckman? Do we need a third? Mm. If so, experienced we or do. end of draft rough, roughy. Do you want to give a, a thought on whether you think at the end of the day you'd rather an experienced or mm. a draft yeah. roughy? Happy to touch on that. I feel mm. because of the sort of age profile of our Ruckman, you've got like Pitt that's kind of hitting his 
peak, I guess you'd say, sort of mid-20s, De Koning early 20s, Murkov being that developing. I think we've got enough developing at this stage. You need, if you're bringing anyone in, it needs to be a ready-to-go body for me. I don't think it's worthwhile mm. having that other depth play, someone that's not at that level. It's like, what are we bringing in another De Koning? I don't see the point in that if it's a depth issue. Because, yeah, if you're backing into Koning to be that guy, if you're backing in Pitt to be that guy, which maybe Pitt is from what we saw before he did his knee against Frio, are you ruining the development by bringing in another one? So that's that's mm. where I think, I guess I'm on the camp of either you're bringing in a like an Andrew Phillips type that we had on the list, a guy that's serviceable, you bring him in for one year, as just a breaking case of emergency or whether you look for that Goldstein-esque player of he can probably play a bit now, but he's definitely that leadership for us. But it's definitely an yep. older head. Yeah, no, I 100% you? agree. No, I've, I've got nothing to build on that. I I definitely agree. That's what the depth chart shows, mm. depth chart shows I think. Yep. So, um, yeah, we've got a great question here from Emma Louise. Got a lot of uh, traction on this one, which is we love to see. And we kind of touched on it, but it's got a nice little spin. If we do pick up Acres, who gets yep. pushed out of their wing spot? Is it Cotters or Lob? Or mm. could we be playing all three? Good way to look at it. Yeah, well, that, I think that's what I was kind of mentioning with a Cottrell because he's a bit more dynamic. You, you've got Acres that comes in a bit more of your defensive winger, if you want to say it in that aspect, and O'Brien mm-hmm. a bit more of your offensive winger. You can then throw Fisher through there. You can throw Cottrell that we kind of did in that sort of second half of the season where Cottrell was playing a bit wing, playing a bit half forward. I think it can work. Just a matter of what our best 22 is. That's how you'd fit them in. But every time I try to do it, someone's missing out because then you're looking at those six small forwards that you're trying to fit into maybe five spots. Then it comes into four spots. It starts to become really difficult to try and Mm. pick our best 22 when all healthy, which is definitely a good position to be in. Um, But I I do agree there is potential to definitely play all three. One will be incredibly stiff, particularly on their years in 2022. Do you you agree, Mm -hmm. Lockie? (laughs) Mate, whenever we do these the the (laughs) Q&A, it's like I've got nothing to build up because you touch on all the great questions. So uh, good points. So, mate. I'll leave it with you. But <laughs> more importantly, are you familiar with at Cucumber Fiend on Twitter? I unfortunately am. I've unfortunately <laughs> crossed paths uh, with old Joshua. Should we aim to get Grundy in? Honestly, I'd pay his whole salary and trade a first round pick if that's what it took to get him. Something to think about. <laughs> so coming yeah, from, well, a very interesting from a yeah, from a Collingwood supporter that's come across wanting everything um, from us there. I'm surprised he didn't go as far as saying, yeah, you guys can have Grundy, um, but give us Colonel and Mackay, because that seems like the mm-hmm. aura that comes from that football club. But look, I know that's a little bit on the kind of trade talk, but yeah. If you're after a guy that is potentially available and you want to just say, bring in the best right now, who cares about Pitt? Who cares about De Koning's development? Give me the best. Let's win a premiership now, which is kind of honestly the ruthless attitude I think we need to have. Give me Brody Grundy. I know he's had the injuries. He maybe wasn't at his best when he played early this yeah. year, but 
I'll take that gamble. The issue, obviously, is salary cap. Can we afford it? Would we have to give up too much? I don't honestly even think Collingwood would read or open the email that comes across saying, hey, could we please have Brody Grundy? Because honestly, if they came across for a player, it'd go straight in the trash. That thing's <laughs> not getting opened. But yes, I, w- I would love Brody Grundy at this football club. There you go, Josh. But you didn't think we were going to uh, <laughs> take that question seriously. There's your damn And he's answer. a long-time listener, which is great to see. He doesn't oh. listen to any of the Collingwood people, only listens to the baggers, which maybe he needs to be converted over. Potentially was our first ever listener when uh, back <laughs> in the day. So who knows? Love it. This is a good question because, you know, I love tea leaves. So, you know, I just want to hear your take on this. This is from Marco on Twitter. What is Austin up to? All these spots opened up. You mm. must have a few moves in the works. I feel like nothing is leaking. Yes. Well, this is what we're kind of talking about with trying to show you if we delist all these players, if we even recontract them all. And mm. then we draft what we've kind of been drafting over the past few years. And I'd like to add in talking about this draft, it's got some yep. good players for sure. Next year's definitely a lot better. Um, so to talk about some I guess draft chat wouldn't surprise me if we we're trying to stockpile some picks for next year, knowing it's going to be a bit mm. better. Um, mm. Doesn't mean this year doesn't have the depth, but probably the quality is not as good. That higher end um, makes it interesting to see how many list spots we have left. What three to fill? That leaves two. Yeah. What are we cooking up? I don't. I don't know. You think there is I, something? I, there Truly, always seems. I think there's something. It doesn't. Maybe it's not your. Um, highest caliber of player. It's not <laughs> your Dunkley, your Tom Mitchells that we're going after. But mm. maybe there's a bit, of, a bit of a disgruntled player that, like I've seen someone throw this name around and kind of the ilk of that player wouldn't surprise me. And that's like a Dersma that I've seen get thrown around by a couple mm. that said, I've heard he might be available. Someone said I heard Carlton. And like that kind of player wouldn't surprise me if we ended up snagging kind of like we did maybe Chera last year. Because it always seems in these trade periods, everything's sewn up. And then a couple of weeks after the season ends, bang, random player requests a trade. Um, so I, I think we could be looking for something. I like it. That's good. That's the optimism that I wanted. <laughs> Please um, give me something to get excited about. Thank you again to everyone that has um, sent in questions for this. I reckon we touch on one more, which I think is a good one. We haven't really spoken about this in terms of of depth. Um, From Tim Gigantor, are there any smoky chances for a reserve player to be elevated to Mm. the senior list? I'd love to see Crocker get a Mm. run one day. He's a funny and he's a funny one, Crocker, because every time I put the VFL on, what's he doing? Tearing it up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, he he fits that medium marking goal scoring X factor forward. He does. I just I don't know that the longer he's in our VFL team and not getting selected, considering we're bringing in you know your Boyd's um, from a VFL establishment, we've brought in now Murkov and Hayes from ours. Yeah. Kind of makes me feel like there's obviously something that they just go. He's not AFL standard. Uh, I hate to throw these names around like a Nick Graham, but maybe he's just a really good twos player oh we love and like i i often when i think of crocker i feel like he plays off the sort of like the back of his opponent too much where he's hoping the ball comes in 
and he sort of pushes them up towards the ball and then gets the ball out the back. I'm just not sure you can do that with the time and space and and the system that's in play in AFL level. I think that's what may be letting him down. Apart from that, you've got – I'm trying to think of who's even there. Like you've got big Tyrese who's uh, yes. shown a little bit, particularly in the last few games of the season. Maybe he's a, a, a depth play in defense. He seems to be able to play a few different roles. Uh, it, there's that small forward. So I thought his name was Ned Cahill, but then the commentators are calling him Carl, Carl? or something. And I'm like, yeah. how is it that? I don't know. I don't do not know how to pronounce that man's name. Didn't think that one was as difficult as it apparently is. He's been good, but again, we don't really need what he is. I don't think that there's, I guess, a lot of players I would take. Is, is there anyone that you've had yeah. your eye on? Oh, I think I think your VFL knowledge is better than me, to be honest. Whenever I do watch, I'm just laser focused on listed mm. players. I would say I would say it's unlikely, just yeah. from what we know, that that, that would happen. Um, but don't get me wrong, Crocker is mm. like I said, pretty much every time I see him, I'm like, gee whiz, he's just got that like that goal first attitude. Yeah. Like if he's getting the ball, mm. his first thought is how he's just going through the goals. And that's kind of what I, I feel like is missing in terms of that kind of small yeah. to medium guy. So it, it's a great a great thought. Yeah. Only only other one just quickly is probably Chin Cotter, who every time I see him play he seems yeah. to be really good. But again, I'm just not sure where he would fit on the list. But I would I would love to see him get an opportunity somewhere for sure. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for all the questions, everyone. Thank you. And this is the last segment. I'll try and get through it as quickly as possible. I might even, and you might see this in a different video, I might clip this next bit and chuck it out. It's a little bit of a short one on our YouTube because I think it's just really interesting at looking about about this because durability and injuries, like how, how bad was our injury list this year? And it never seems like we get a clean run. So I have spent way too much time. I've gone through every single... AFL lineup, VFL lineup, injury report this season. And I've compiled this list, which if you're listening again, you might want to jump on YouTube to have a full <laughs> look at this one because I won't be going through everyone. But I wrote down how many AFL games they played, and that's including unused Medi sub, which I know Lockie hates, but I just, it was a lot easier <laughs> when there was a lot of numbers going around. Yeah. And then I've got their percentage of games played. I've then also gone games missed. This is not black and white. I've kind of played around with this aspect. So it's not a hundred percent because sometimes players have played in the VFL, but I don't believe that they were AFL ready. Take your March bank coming back from injury. Jack Martin coming back from injury. Ed Kerno comes back, gets injured straight away. So I've tried to play it a bit fairer. Whereas if they came straight back, that first game isn't counted because they probably weren't in AFL selection. It was a bit more of testing, particularly mm. you'll see Pittenet considering he was definitely selected straight away when we sort of got him. And he, sorry, he wasn't selected straight away, but then he came in maybe underdone. I feel like he was that player that he wasn't ready in those two VFL games. Um, but I've got all the games missed and I've got the percentage of games missed. So this is the key thing um, here. You'll see it's color coordinated, but I want to talk about the players between 20 and 30% games missed through injury and then 40 plus because this is the big issue. So between 20 and 30, you've got Jordan Boyd, played seven, missed eight. You've got Jack Martin, played 12, missed eight, both missing 36.4% of games. 
I didn't get it done, but I would have loved to see if anyone can do it for me. The amount of games Jack Martin started but didn't finish through injury because and- I would have imagined that there was a lot more percentage games missed, but I think his subbed out total would almost be 100% um, there. I think got George Hewitt played 15, missed 7 at 31.8%. Kennedy and Owies both played 17, missed five at 22.7%. What do you make of that crop of players and their injuries? Anything to be concerned about? Hmm. Anything? Well, I've, I've addressed my Martin concerns <laughs> yes, in yes. great depth. Hmm. Gee, that seven from Hewitt crept up. That, that mm. was one. It, it felt like he played more than, than 15. I don't think there's too much that I take away though from from this crop. I would say, yeah, uh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put an injury prone kind of label on any of them except for Martin. Yeah, the only thing that I guess worries me a little bit with George Hewitt is he had that back issue at Sydney. They weren't mm. super fast letting him go. I understand they have a, so many young guys going through there, mm. but for him to do the back again. Is that like a bit concerning for you, thinking that can he get through a full season, knowing that he's sort of our number one bash and crash experienced midfielder? Felt like this this injury was so under wraps, and we so we had no idea what was going on with him through his recovery and the du- mm. and the duration of it, etc. Yeah. So I just don't know. I I I've just got to be optimistic and say that he's just going to come mm. back firing. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I reckon about 20% of me is maybe 22.7% of me, uh, <laughs> to be exact, is, a li- is starting to get a bit concerned um, about it. Um, Kennedy as well, the only concern is his actual specific injury, the list, Frank, seeing mm. saw an NFL player injure that part of the body, the foot, um, yep. be out for ruled out straight away for the whole season. I've seen an NBA player, exact same thing. Now I'm not going to act like a doctor and know the specifics of that injury itself. Cause I honestly have no idea about it or the severity mm. of Kennedy's in comparison. But again, a part of me is a little bit concerned thinking if I've just seen two people injure this part of the body and be out for a year and they're just saying Kennedy's going to be good for preseason, yeah. knowing our track record of announcing these time periods there's a bit of cause for concern over matt kennedy but i don't think it's like a long-term issue yeah gosh we've uh not not say that we've ever really had faith in terms of the the diagnoses that go public for these kind of things so that's (laughs) nothing new yeah so let's go through the 40 or more category because this is the scary part of it um we'll start at the bottom work our way up we have josh honey played five missed nine missed 40.9 percent sam philp played zero missed 10 which i was surprising i think both of us chatted before we started this both thought he would have missed a lot mm. more yeah 45.5 percent zach williams played nine missed 13 59.1 percent pito I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through the percentage here. Um, if you want to watch it, get on YouTube and you'll see the exact numbers. Pito missed sixty three point six percent. McGovern sixty eight point two. Parks Parks and Marchbank both missed seventy two point seven. Both missing sixteen games. Oscar McDonald at ninety point nine percent, 
And then Kerno and Cunners missing 100% of the season because I don't count that one Ed Kerno game where he came in and got injured again. Hmm. Is there cause for concern on any of those players <laughs> and their durability? Does it hurt? Does it factor into the depth that we just spoke about? And maybe your plans in the trade period now that you've seen the percentage yeah. that has been missed this season? Um. The first thing, just I guess a call out for this graphic in case people are confused, they're like Honey missing 40%, for example. That's not that he didn't play 40% of games. That's that he yes. was unavailable for 40%, just in case yes. anyone's confused about yes, that. Yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, there is massive cause for concern here. Like we've been concerned all season about a bunch of these names. Um I guess you could say, well, Parks is is gone. I feel like McDonald will be gone as well. So that yes. cuts down a so couple. Get rid of those. But um, yeah, I mean, it it always takes me back to the the key defenders. I guess. Yeah. Never has it hasn't felt comfortable in quite a while. The depth there. Um, mm. So maybe maybe that kind of prioritizes that a little bit higher than earlier. Um, mm. I guess the other call out here is just on the Ruckman. Yeah, we had Pitt miss 14 and thankfully TDK remained pretty healthy all season. Yeah. So that's a, a big thumb, but it goes back to that. If that was any worse, then we're in mm. strife there. Yeah, I, I think you've absolutely nailed it. There's honestly not too much I can touch on that there because clear defense is the big worry and maybe that's why a March bank <laughs> may miss out. It'll be... It's heartbreaking because of the player we know that's there. Um, right. And I'd hate for another club to take a, a fire at him, but can we afford to go in again with guys that may miss, you know, 72% and 68% that have that injury issue? I'm not sure. Um, and then Sam Phillips, probably the other interesting one of a guy yeah. that brutal call. If he was, if he was out of contract, I cannot see us, would have re-signed him this season. Think no. he's in a lot of trouble. Uh, just can never seem to get on the park. Hasn't really shown enough at VFL level. Again, missing 45.5% of the year. Needs to step up. If I'm doing an under the pump for next season, he's right <laughs> at the top of that list. And and I think it's selfishly, I think it's wasting us a list spot right now that we could be better used elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and I think this begs a question as well. We we kind of spoke towards the start about a few of these guys that are out of contract and whether we yeah. think that we should re-sign them or not. Inevitably, do you think that like Marchbank and Kernel, I suppose, are the two, do you think that that will get done? I feel like because when I broke down how many list spots we have left, surely we will re-sign Marchbank and and honestly yeah. most of them unless they have something crazy cooking there yeah. because like how many players can you bring in and where are you getting them from uh, that's the, that's the reason I think we do sign him and I think I said yeah. on Twitter that it wouldn't surprise me as well if the reason he was not re-signed just yet is he wants a two-year deal he wants security and we're like mate it's one year and he's trying to test out and see if another club is interested and mm. it could just be haggling down to that Seems like Setterfield might be just haggling over, is there a list spot left? Which, again, makes you think that there's something brewing, which might make this trade period quite exciting. But, yeah, like we've touched on for most of this episode, it's clear key defense is an issue. Yep. You know, you saw Zach Williams 
name get thrown about in a trade? Like, is that a possibility on any Gosh. of these players like a Jack Martin that we're maybe a bit worried on their issue when we use any of these guys as trade bait? It's to, really, to get some salary cap. It's really difficult for me to see it, but it makes mm. sense. It's yeah. particularly with Martin because he's been there um, another one or two years. I think just one more year than mm. than Zach. Yeah. No, it's 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 incredibly interesting. But I thought I'd I'd do that bit of research and bring it to you because I know a lot have been great. worried about this durability and then how that I guess affects us in that back half of the season. Because if your key pillars and key players are all missing big chunks of football, one they're not going to be at their peak come end of the season. They might not even be there, which is maybe affecting our poor results and our poor finishes. Because even under Teague, like I'm pretty sure the after the bye, the results from David Teague last year and the results of Michael Voss are identical in the wins and loss. Obviously, it's hard to compare, but yeah, it's definitely very interesting that that keeps being the key, which is maybe why you keep hearing we're after durability, we're after speed, we're after all these little things. It's yeah, I'm very excited to look forward, and that's why we're going to be we we have to do this list analysis, look at what everything is going on. Now we've Love dissected it. it. Next episode is going to be us addressing the concerns. Who's coming in? How are we going to sort it at the trade and free agency? What can we conjure up? Who do we think we can target? <laughs> um, and then after that, we'll then obviously jump into some draft stuff. But the, the offseason doesn't stop. I know this was a long one, but this is for us. This is for all the, the big nuffies that want all this data here. That's it. Because that's our that's our target market. We want the guys that are as into this as us, basically. Because I know I'm excited about this, which is why I've talked for ages. But that is going to really wrap this episode up. See you guys next time. <laughs>